0: Right, right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com
1: slash switch.
0: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
1: There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money, and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to the Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose and spirit, understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Leah Elson is a clinical development scientist, public science communicator and non-fiction author. She currently spearheads innovative clinical projects in peripheral nerve repair and novel technology. Her education in biotechnology and medical sciences spans Harvard University, the Johns Hopkins University, and the University of Southern California. She's academically published with over 1,000 citations in the fields of orthopedics, oncology, and neuroscience. It was an absolute joy to sit down with Leah and get lost in the fascinating world of science. And as a fellow science lover, I'm pretty sure we could have talked all day. Leah makes learning about our universe, our bodies, and science in general, fun, super cool, and easy to understand. Welcome, Leah, to the Ethical Evolution.
0: Well, thank you for having me so much.
1: Now, um, we were just chatting off air and I'm super excited to be with you today because I always love chatting to people who are a bit nerdy and are a bit of a scientist. Um, So for people (laughs) who have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, can you please tell us who you are and your story?
0: Of course, first well, and first of all, thank you so much. I was actually equally excited to <laughs> be on this podcast today. Uh, so my name is Leah Elson. I am a clinical development scientist, a nonfiction author, and a public science communicator. And in my time as a scientist and in my early, early fledgling steps through public science communication, I realized that there is a rather large deficit in public scientific understanding. Mm. And through that, I have sort of forged my identity as helping to bring a little bit of easier truth to the sciences for the public. Um, But also I've found this interesting role as an activist in my role as a scientist. I I feel very strongly that as a scientist, um, you know, I should be kind of a liaison and a steward of truth. And in that capacity, I also have... Found a niche in a social sphere as well, um, insofar as you know, supporting underrepresented groups in the sciences, um, thing, things of that nature. And uh, so that's that is where I am today.
1: And and your take on things is very broad, isn't it? It's all the sciences. It's not just biology or or
0: anything. It's it's a bit of everything, isn't it? It's a bit of everything. It, Professionally, I'm a little bit narrowed down. So I actually have a now going into my 14th year as wow. a career research scientist. And I've stayed in kind of upstream medical research. And so my background professionally is in kind of human physiology. Mm-hmm. But I have always, always been a geek and a proponent for every major scientific field. So I love, I I don't know if you guys can see me or not, or just hear my voice, but behind me, there's a bookshelf and yeah a ton of <laughs> quantum mechanics behind me and physics. And I, I love to learn from all of my colleagues in all fields. So I'm kind of a I, – I take everything, chemistry, physics, biology. It's its all wonderful.
1: And I, I absolutely love that. And I wish there were more people like you on the planet. But, um, you know, your books um, – there's one thing um, I always find funny. Um, if there's any guests that have the bookcase behind them, which happens a lot um, – if the books are color coded and it looks like you've done
0: that. Well let me tell you something, and this is my objective opinion, it's the only way to do it. It isn't Don't look at my bookcase case. by the way. <laughs> it's all over the shop. Wherever it fits, it goes. <laughs> <laughs> It is the only way to do it. I think if it's a center point in your home, you got to color coordinate it. You You can't, it's now it is worthless for finding books. I'll tell you that I have to search (laughs) the bookshelf frequently, but, uh, I I think it looks good for aesthetics.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I just go on random tangents. So that, that was, that was number one. Um, now (laughs) With the work that you do in terms of um, educating people um, about science, and particularly the human body, um, no doubt in the last few years, you've been incredibly busy with the misinformation that goes around, uh, particularly in regards to a certain virus that's been in the world the last few
0: years. Oh, interesting. A certain, you know, if anybody has heard of this virus going (laughs) around lately... (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you know I think the surprising thing for me is that when when covid broke out I was actually uh, leading investigator-initiated research at an oncology center, a rather large oncology center. And so because we were working around immunosuppressed patients, I was one of the first rounds of healthcare providers to receive the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there were there were already misgivings about the vaccine. People were nervous. And this is already kind of on the the coattails of what has become a very widespread fear of vaccines, right? The anti-vax movement has mm-hmm. been very loud and very prolific and then we introduce something like this and people are already fearful of the virus itself and so i i posted a picture of myself on social media being one of the first people to get the vaccine in the in the public sphere Um, And I was like, you know what? Don't worry. It's okay. You know, this technology is brilliant and innovative, but it is very safe. And I was surprised at how divisive that post was. I had a ton of people sharing it and saying, ah, see, it's okay. I, I trust this source. And then a bunch of people comment saying, I would never do this. How, you know, how could you? how could you stand up there and sort of support something that's unsupported in the human body? And I was like, oh my gosh. And at that point I realized that, you know, people like me are necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And unfortunately what, what I found and why public science communicators are so important is that due to this division between the public and scientists uh from from our point of view you know we dedicate our lives to public service right in many instances Mm. we're trying to do something to better the world or to save human lives and then you have this movement of people that don't believe in what you're doing and they they degrade it and they you know would come after you and they attack you for doing it and so the reaction which i think is human nature is to turn your back on the public and say you know what I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. But unfortunately, and I, I do blame a lot of my colleagues is that if the public has that hard of a time understanding what it's doing, that's our responsibility. And that's on us for not teaching and for educating, right? And unfortunately, these kind of divisive topics are highly coveted in news and media and social mm. media. And the more dramatic they can be and the more you can divide uh, and polarize people, the more they tend to spread. And so then you get kind of this firestorm effect like we saw during COVID.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I mean, COVID's just one example, but I mean, there's so many things that people go through in their lives, um, physically, um, mentally, and they don't really understand their own body um of course and they're not connected to it for one for for one right so they're not even conscious or listening to their body um but they just don't know anything about this this meat suit that they they've got you know like it's it's like the last great frontier right right? it's like you live (laughs) in this every day and you know nothing about it um right absolutely and and this is all, all part of the work that you're doing right
0: you know i i Try, I let um, the way in which I communicate, I try not to do kind of a top down, I'm mm. going to lecture to you on what I think you should know. I found the most effective communication is asking my audience, who is the general public, uh, what do you guys want to know? And so I I have answered so many strange questions over the years, (laughs) you know, about uh, collapsing eyeballs and what happens when you actually cross the threshold and go into a black hole and just a myriad of strange questions through all the focuses. And so sometimes directing them towards public health initiatives can be a little tricky. Um, um, but uh, you know, I, I do think that educating people on the human body is super important and also trying to divide pseudoscience from real science, because now we have a lot of mm. interesting complementary sciences, which I'm never against. I think that if if complementary medicine makes you feel better, then it's doing its job, right? Mm. Even if it's a placebo effect, if you feel better, absolutely wonderful. Mm. Add it to the regimen, of course. But there are instances where people are relying exclusively on it and don't understand that it's actually technically not doing anything physiologic. And then that's a problem where we have to kind of get in and, and separate and, and try to say, okay, we support complementary and holistic medicines, but also maybe you should uh, look into some Western medicine as well, <laughs> just for the sake of your health.
1: And that that was going to lead me to, you know, what what's been the weirdest question that you've
0: been asked? Oh my gosh, I mean my public science communication has been ongoing for 5 years. Um <laughs> one question that I I recently answered, I I've written a book which is coming out next summer and it's a compendium of all of these kinds of strange questions that I have not yet answered on the internet. One of them was highly specific about his wife's blood type. He said, "My wife is O positive and her parents are, you know, uh, A negative and B positive, should she be concerned that she's not their child? So I got an incredibly specific. And so, and I, I, you know, answered and said, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to start any fights during the holidays this year (laughs) to tell you that there's a likelihood that she is related to them (laughs) based on human blood typing. But That was interesting. I've had the... Uh, you know, is not having sex for a prolonged period of time harmful to your health, right? These are the questions the public needs to know. (laughs) All important questions. All important questions. Important and highly, the explanations are highly fascinating, but they're always, the weird ones are always incredibly specific. (laughs) Mm, mm, And you're like asking for a friend. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No, I I was just curious for no reason.
1: (laughs) And I guess the other kind of thing that you would see um, in terms of educating people is that on the flip side of the coin, everybody is an expert today with Google. Am oh, I right? Yes.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and part of I think the challenge of being a communicator these days is combating the widespread misinformation and improper sourcing for a lot of this. You know, people will send me. Uh, articles every once in a while, you know, just, Hey, have you seen this? And it'll be some strange claim about stem cell therapy, mm. and, you know, curing something terrible. And I'll look at the source and it's, it's some ridiculous, it's like soccer mom likes blueberry muffins.com. <laughs> and I'm like, this doesn't appear to be peer reviewed. <laughs> um, so a lot of it is also, you know, I never want to gatekeep science, right? My passion and my philosophy has been to inspire the public to have that childlike awe that I think everybody had when they were younger and they were exploring the world and seeing things for the first time. A scientist lives that every day, right? Mm. We're always exploring new things and we never left that curiosity in our childhood, And I'm trying to reignite that and also empower people to be able to find more reputable sources and empower people to have more knowledge to interpret the things that they're seeing, right? To use a critical eye when they're reading things to better help guide their choices, right? Because this all comes down to human health and wellness. And the more you can empower people the better off I think they'll be long-term.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm constantly curious and I, and I love to encourage others to be the same. And, um, you know, if others are like me and they do a lot of research and they dig deep and they go down the rabbit hole, um, where's some reliable sources they can go if they they want to get the right stuff?
0: Well, I think most people are exceptionally curious, as we said earlier, about the human body, right? It's it's something you know, you get a weird lump in your foot, and you're like, I really want to know what this is. <laughs> now, if you go to like WebMD, mm-hmm. it will invariably tell you that you have cancer. <laughs> you're like, I have a hangnail, and it will tell you it's probably cancer. Yeah, probably not a good place to start. Um, but uh, something like PubMed, if you go on there's a, a website, it's called uh, uh PubMed Central, and on there, you have access to what we call open access peer-reviewed literature. And it can be a little bit dense when you go through, you know, it's it's written for scientists, by scientists, but there are abstracts and there are conclusions in there where you might be able to see, okay, well, you know, this physician did a study on a thousand patients and his conclusion was that there was no harm from this particular vaccine, mm. or, you know, there was no harm from this particular drug. And I would always suggest checking those sources versus like a Fox news article or a tweet that you happen to see at random. Um, PubMed acts a lot like Google, you know, you type it in and, and it'll take you to a search page and you can type in anything under the sun and it will give you so many hits. And Mm. so the challenge is really scrolling through. Um, But I would suggest starting there because the peer reviewed process means that someone like me who decides, Hey, I want to write about something that I discovered in, in the sciences or in medicine that I think is going to be very impactful. And then an anonymous, what I, I think is like a a Jedi council, right. (laughs) Of of people that are older than me and our reviewers, they anonymously review it. They don't know who I am. I don't know who they are. And they cross-check things like the accuracy of what I'm claiming, the validity of my statistical my statistical analyses and how I conducted my studies, and they give you oftentimes a brutally honest answer on whether or not it <laughs> deems publication. And sometimes it's painful, um, and they tell you kind of better luck next time, kid. But it it is the sort of tried and true way in which science has been able to evolve and adapt and to become better is is us cross-checking each other right we may disagree as scientists but it's always for betterment of what we're doing right mm. it's never a personal thing it's always i disagree because i think there's a better way to do this and either one of you is right, or neither of you are right, but ultimately it gets it gets you to a better conclusion.
1: Yeah, no, well, that's some that's some great advice. And you know, I'm just stepping back on a comment that you made earlier around um, you know medicine and um, you know health providers um, actually giving the right information. Um, do you think that there's I don't know. I my experience has been that some doctors just are not great at telling you what the hell's going on. Like of you you can be, you know, quite upset about something, you could be anxious, um, don't know what's happening to you, and you need that support and someone to tell you what's going on. There's a lot of doctors who are not great at that, are they? Like how can how can we find someone who can support us when we're in that really tough spot? Uh
0: that's a really, really good question. Uh some of that comes down to Just personality, you know, Mm. there or a lot of it comes down to at at this point, at least in the United States, there is a a massive burden on the medical system right Mm. now. So in the United States, we had at last I looked like a 90,000 physician shortage, massive, right? So there's expected to see more patients in the same period of time. So they have like three minutes per room to get in, take a look, see what their nurses wrote down in the notes and try to make their best guess before they move on to the next patient. And that is where I do think that the online community can be very helpful. Um, And even something like telemedicine, you know, the other day I had, um, I, (laughs) I should probably sue Jeff Bezos from Amazon because I cut myself (laughs) on an Amazon box and I got an infection on my finger. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, the physician told me that I, I I couldn't sue him, unfortunately, for billions of dollars as much as I would have loved Damn. to. Um, he said it wasn't a good enough case. I don't know. Oh. But I, I did a telemedicine visit and I just said, hey, you know, it it looks infected. It's not going away. And he gave me some antibiotics. But I've found that telemedicine physicians are less encumbered by that that really short duration. Mm. So if you really want to talk about maybe something relating to your primary care health, telemedicine seems to be a really good way to do that um, they'll sit and they'll, they'll talk to you for quite a while and, and kind of assuage your fears, but also the online community. There are a lot of forums. Uh, I, I wish I could think of a a name now, but I can certainly give you some, if you want to populate the description of your, your podcast episode, but there are certain resources where there are forums of physicians and you can ask the forum a question and then maybe gynecologic physicians will weigh in or primary care physicians will weigh in. They'll kind of answer as experts, obviously not knowing your medical history but might be able to give you kind of a crowdsourced version of uh, of what they think might be going on or can help guide you through some of that um some of that worry you know and and mm. patients you know even if the the physician does explain i find often when you when you give a, an anxious patient bad news, they tend to not hear anything, even yeah. if they've explained, you know, because you, and I'm, everybody goes through this where you're kind of like, what, what did you just say? Oh my gosh. And you leave and you have no idea what they told you or where to follow up or when to call back or when your results would come back. Um, and that's normal. That's totally normal. So The internet is an interesting place. It's very dualistic where you can fall down rabbit holes that will take you to a lot of misinformation. But then there are kind of these shining torches of guidance where you can find good things. And I think direct from the source is the best place to go.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, again, doing your research is probably the best idea. And and that telehealth uh, recommendation, I, I agree with that. I think I've had probably some of the best consults over the phone than I have oh, yeah. in person.
0: <laughs> and they're way more relaxed because, yeah. you know, they're wearing a button up shirt on top, but pajamas underneath <laughs> the camera. So they're doing, they're great. They're not stressed out at all. <laughs> they're happy to talk to you. <laughs>
1: I also want to touch on media and and what it's doing to, you know, the education of people, um in particular around health and and science. Um as you touched on earlier, you know, they'll they'll pick one little thing and they'll just blow that up um to be worse than it actually is and people will believe that. Um the media's got a lot to answer for in this space, don't they?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh you know, I think that Unfortunately, we're in a day and age wherein whatever sells and whatever garners the largest audience, Mm. whatever provides the most income to media sources is going to be what they put at the forefront. And unfortunately, a bunch of nerds sitting around talking about how safe something is, like let's say the COVID vaccine, for instance, how safe something is, is going to be exceptionally boring and nobody (laughs) wants to hear that. However, if you get somebody uh, who it's and it is a minority, but you find an oddball physician who may not even be practicing, and that's another thing as as well um, that oftentimes somebody will tout the title doctor, and you look at their background and they have a doctorate in like archaeology, and you're like, this person's not even qualified really to be talking about this, but it's something that you know just from human conditioning, you see that doctor title and you're like, immediately, yes, immediately, yes, this is an expert. It could be an underwater basket weaving, you know, oftentimes (laughs) you don't know, but this person will, will stand up and, uh, you know, grandstand about something they feel very passionately and very strongly about, which may be completely inaccurate. Um, you know, a a great example of this is the anti-vax movement was perpetuated in part by the work of a physician named Andrew Wakefield. And he said, vaccines cause autism in children. And this ended up spreading like wildfire. And everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not going to vaccinate my, ch- my child. You know, like I, I can't I can't risk this. This is crazy. But what people don't talk about is that Andrew Wakefield's study, was on like twelve cases. and it was so so poorly conducted, and the conclusions drawn were so thin that not only did that paper eventually get moved removed from circulation, but he had his medical license revoked. and oh. he has been academically discredited worldwide. And yet, because of the magic of the internet, his findings continue to circulate, even though he is no longer allowed to practice because independent reviewers that went back and audited his data, they came to the conclusion. And this is their quote that it was utterly false. Mm-hmm. That was their, their, their conclusion. And yet Andrew Wakefield, because he has this title of doctor, you know, people say, Oh, well, this doctor, he did this study and he found that. And, and it's actually completely untrue. And, and so few people know that, that he actually was discredited long ago. Um, And the unfortunate part is that it's capitalizing on fear, right? regardless of where you are on the sociopolitical spectrum, I think that everybody wants the same thing, right? They want to maintain their health and the safety of their family. Um, and so anything that threatens that the, is something that people will feel passionately to grandstand against, or if they think that it helps to grandstand for, right? With a lot of um, interesting crystal therapies and things that are coming out, you're like, eh, it doesn't really do anything, but I get why <laughs> you're passionate about it because you feel that it does. And, and we all have those same core values to protect and and to be well and healthy. Um, so, you know, in that case, media spreading that like, yes, this, do- I mean, mm. that's evocative. Mm. A doctor comes out with a study showing that autism is linked to vaccines. That's now that sells views, that sells advertising space. And that's, that's how it spreads. And so they are absolutely shame, a shame on media very much. Yes. For, for the spread of a lot of this.
1: It's incredible. Um, you know, I am absolutely awed by probably the millions of fascinating facts that you know about science, um, and I reckon you'd be an amazing contestant on like Jeopardy or something. Um, but you know, when you were talking, I was thinking like, what are, What are the top five facts that fascinate you that you know about science? And we're talking beyond medicine. We're
0: talking like quantum physics, everything like Big Bang. Sure, Go of course, it. one of the most fascinating things to me is that when we talk about the universe and what we can observe in the universe, what we're really talking about is the observable universe. Mm. And we have, that's that's basically a a distance outward that we can observe, but it is finite and it is limited by our capacity and our technology to see outward. Um, It is also limited by the fact that the universe is expanding at an accelerating rate which is also another strange fact but my point being is that we no matter how good we get at mapping the universe we do not know the entirety of what that looks like we still don't know if the universe is finite or if it's infinite because we can only see a very small bubble so this brings me to to interesting fact number two because the space time that everything all the galaxies and planets seated on is expanding at an accelerating rate. That means that in another 20, 30 billion years from now, many of the galaxies in our sky will cross beyond that observable horizon. And that means that if there are any sentient beings looking up at the sky, they may see one, two galaxies but they will never know because they will never be able to see back in time that there was a universe teeming with galaxies at one point. And this rapid expansion has been ongoing now for about 14 billion years. So it makes you wonder how many galaxies have crossed that threshold that we have not seen. What did it look like during that cosmic dawn, right? Because you look at the, uh, the James Webb images now and you see, you know, we were ignorant even 10 years ago, five years, last year about what that deep field looked like. And there's so many, I mean, every dot is a gal, a new galaxy with billions Mm. of stars in it. Um, But there were so many more that we will never know existed. And the future of our universe could be one that is very empty and no one will ever know that there at one point was just this dense packing of galaxies and life and, and coalescing matter. That's fascinating to me and a little bit a little bit horrific but fascinating <laughs> um, so so that's two i mean uh, another fascinating fact is um, that viruses are technically not living organisms We have this set of rules for what classifies a living organism. Uh, They need to be able to reproduce on their own. They need to be able to undergo some kind of metabolic activity. They need to be able to respond to their environment. And there's a laundry list of classifications. And viruses don't meet those, right? The only thing that a virus is, is a chunk of genetic information that's more or less encapsulated by like a little shell, right? To keep it safe. Sometimes there's, you'll get a fancy one that maybe has like an enzyme in it or something. But for the most part, it's just like a strand of RNA or DNA floating around in a little bubble and then it bumps into cells and hijacks your machinery to make more of itself. It has not, it is the the most successful biological freeloader in the history (laughs) of existence. It does nothing for itself. It uses you to replicate more of just these kind of dumb bubble pockets and that's it. That's all it contains. It's not, it's not living. It's just kind of a, a, a dumb (laughs) dumb (laughs) thing that cruises around and creates all of this havoc. Um, so I find that to be fascinating Mm. as well. Like what is it? Where did they come from? And a lot of our DNA, is actually viral DNA from the past, from, from viruses integrating their genetic code into ours for the purposes of being replicated. And then it just kind of stuck around. So a, a very substantial chunk of the human genome is actually ancient viral DNA. S- super strange. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Mm. Absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's see. Other fun facts. There's so many bizarre facts in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the fact that we only see a tiny fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum. So what we call visible light is not, it's a misnomer. It's not the only light that's visible, right? Everything from, uh, you know, UV light, really high gamma radiation to radio waves, they're all carried by photons, right? Every single one of these things is carried by a photon. And we only see because the receptors that we've evolved in our eyes only evolved to be able to capture a very narrow frequency of photons. So there could be an entire world around us full of UV light and gamma rays and infrared that we we just don't see and and there is. We have no idea what the external environment actually looks like. We're very limited and there are some animals uh, snakes, right? They they can detect infrared, so mm-hmm. they know what that lower frequency looks like. We don't. There's even shrimp that have extra photoreceptors in their eye. They have far more advanced eyes than we do, and they see more colors than we do. Wow! And so, I mean, that's fascinating <laughs> to me that around us is a whole world that we're immersed in that we are just we will always be ignorant of. We will never be able to see it. Um. Uh. I think f- my fourth to fifth fact. I we're on several facts at this point, but. <laughs> Is uh, is that the the images? These beautiful, vibrant images from the Hubble and from the James Webb. Uh, that's not actually what all of these you know nebula and galaxies look like. They're mm. composite images where they're actually taking different frequencies of light that we can't see, running it through a computer program, and kind of making a facsimile of that, and then layering several composite photos on top of each other to give us. You know, from what we can detect, is what that might look like. But if you were to float past it, that's absolutely not what you would see out there. Yeah. Um, you yeah. wouldn't see these like beautiful purple columns and things. This is all just created for us to be able to get an idea of what it looks like out there, which I think is also fascinating. Trying to utilize, um, you know, the the mechanical advantage of computers yeah. <laughs> and photoshopping to give us an idea of what the splendor of the cosmos looks like, right?
1: Oh my gosh. Oh, my yeah. mind is blown just by those you, five facts.
0: You're gonna lay in bed tonight and just think of it's <laughs> just eyes wide open.
1: <laughs> you know what? Um, that fact about um, you know viruses and DNA. Um, <clears throat> I've I've got this theory right that, and I was talking to my mum the other day, and I said, you know, I, I think there's something in our DNA because none of our family got COVID. Interesting. Mm. And we've been very surrounded by it, absolutely surrounded by it. And I went, "Yeah, mm,
0: there's absolutely. something about us. There's something in our DNA. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. There, In order for viruses to effectively infect you, <laughs> they need certain receptors on your cells to be able to dock onto. They kind of latch onto it and mm. use it as like a lock and key entry to make their way into your cells. Um, it's very possible that uh, there is – some kind of mechanism on the surface of your cells that looks different or is formed a bit different. And that virus just can't quite grab a hold of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if during the course of the pandemic, you tested positive for having viral bodies, but you just never, they weren't, they were ineffective.
1: Mm.
0: And just, you the- guys should have been the model for the the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, that that whole thought, it just blows my mind. And I, I
1: just would love to go down that rabbit hole and do the research and see whether it's true. Like, just that, that whole theory alone, I think, is, is fascinating. And, you know, when you were talking about space uh, then, um, it made me wonder, did you want to join your mate Jeff Bezos and go to Mars?
0: Oh, my gosh. I would love to. <laughs> I mean... As much as I, you know, say like, yeah, of course I care about my loved ones here. If I, if somebody came to me and said, Leah, do you want to go to Mars? I'd be like, yes, (laughs) absolutely. I always said that if I had to do it again, you know, obviously I went the the direction of human physiology and upstream medical research, but if I had to do it again, I would have absolutely been an astrophysicist and I I adore space. I'm fascinated by it. I have a very uh, embarrassing amount of my bedroom is actually occupied by a large telescope. <laughs> I love it. I love it. My place is full of nerdy stuff here and there. And I always run outside when I have the opportunity to to peek through it.
1: I'm exactly the same, and and ever since I was a kid, like uh, I've spoken about it quite a lot on this show, is like, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was fascinated by space, and and I saw Halley's comet when I was a kid. Um, oh, so yes, good. I am that old, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, no doubt you probably would have seen the uh, eclipse this week, um, with the uh, red moon. Of course, that was incredible. And there was,
0: it was incredible, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's uh it's 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 fascinating you know you know what's happening you may have seen it I mean eclipses are are not super rare uh but every time I see it it's it's always so cool and I sit there and just watch it with my mouth open catching bugs in my mouth while I'm outside
1: (laughs) (laughs) it puts everything into perspective doesn't it like you you realize you're this tiny speck on the earth looking at another planet and you're just like wow (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's amazing, especially because Earth is, in comparison to many other planets in our solar system, so small. Mm. You know, you can fit several Earths just inside of Jupiter's great red spot. Several Earths. I mean, that is, a, you're talking about a gigantic huge. planet. <laughs> gigantic. <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh, I could ask you a million questions and I could talk to you all day. um, But I know you've probably got to go to bed because it's late at night there. Um, Now, Leah, if people want to find out more about you and and get in touch, where can they go?
0: Oh my gosh. So you can go the easy route and you can just Google my name. Um, But if you want to find me directly, my... My social media handles make no sense. I just thought I was clever at the time. I didn't anticipate having this blow up. Um, So my social media is uh, gnarly by nature. And nature is spelled G-N-A-T-U-R-E. Because again, I thought I was clever at the time. And uh, so you can find me there or my website is leahelson.com and you can contact me there if you've got any burning scientific questions. I love to receive them because I use those to then answer your questions on the internet. So Bindi, I fully expect to have about 50 questions in my inbox before I wake up in the morning from you.
1: I will collate them for you and I will expect <laughs> a report back. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll check in on TikTok and we'll, we'll see what you got to say.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Now, I got the last big question for you, Leah, and I can't wait to hear your answer on this one. Okay, I got ready ready. here. Let's go. Yes. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can
0: we bring it to life? Wow. Um, I would like in my lifetime to see a fundamental pivot in the way that people view those on differing sociopolitical spectrums. As I said earlier, um, I'm a believer that science is the great equalizer, right? Um, and I think that at the end of the day, as I said, we're all just mortal organisms trying to live a full life, protect our families, um, ensure that when we die, that our loved ones are cared for and taken care of. And I think that at the end of the day, when you really look at the division um, between yourself and the people who you just really, you're like, God, I just, I really don't get it. I really don't get why you feel this way. If you really extrapolate back, it's because they think that what they believe in is best for their health and wellness. And at the end of the day, the only thing you're arguing is just policy, Mm -hmm. right? We're all the Mm -hmm. crux of what we're all doing is self-preservation and preservation of our family and, and our lives, but we're all just arguing policy. And at the end of the day, like leave that to the politicians. You know what I mean? It's I feel like I would love to see a binding together of people across the spectrum because there are so many larger things in the world that are of grave concern globally. And we will never be able to solve those massive problems as a fractured species. It's only by coming together mm. will we'll be able to ensure that we can all together continue on and continue our lineage and continue our sentience, which to our knowledge, we are the only thing thus far in our observable area that we've tried to ping that has the capacity to think and to live and to love. So we need to enjoy it and bind together and try to preserve it as long as we can.
1: Amen. Amen to that. And that's, again, the whole mission behind why we're here today. Um, Of course. And, oh, my gosh, Leah, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of the Ethical Evolution. Thank you. I am honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com com.
0: Electric acid.
1: Welcome to tuning in to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body, and soul. Trick out.